Tomlinson song. Oh my god. I need to listen to that. I have a, when that, when it gets to that, I have a great story. Oh, is it about your threesome? It's not about my threesome. Uh It's just about Louis Tomlinson. Oh. Oh. Not dogs. My my threesome with Louis and and Harry. Oh my god. You mean the fanfic you wrote two years ago? Honestly, Liam and Harry. Liam. No. No. Louis. No. No. Both. Oh my god. Um. Hi, everybody. Hi, Queens. For those Kings. of you just joining us, we are talking about which members of One Direction Will would like to have a threesome with. Um, I feel like the correct answer is Liam. And this is a threesome. But I just mean Liam's the best one. Oh. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a literal dilf. God, that's right. I keep forgetting that. I think Liam and Harry. Or Louie. But... I always thought Louie was the cutest. I feel that. And, and, I, I mean, I think all of them are cute. All four yeah, slash five of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zane. I almost, like, don't think of him. He truly has made Erased. his own name mm-hmm. at this point. Honestly, like, it's thanks to Gigi. True. Because that's the new, like, unit in my mind, is Zane and Gigi. But they're not even together. They're not even together. I just mean, like, I feel like that solidified him as being a separate entity. Yeah. Well, um, how are you? I'm great. I am super excited for this secret concert we're about to go to mm-hmm. after we record. Not secret, as in like, I the literal first thing I almost went for was like the um, secret deodorant commercials that they had to do it on Top Model. <laughs> what secret? Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Por una dona. No. Um, I thought you were going to think of some, like, random 90... Isn't there... Oh, No Secrets. Oh, What's that girl band... What's that band that's, like... It's called No Secrets, I'm pretty sure. Girl, I have no clue. Anyway, not secret as in the deodorant brand. This will be funny. No, there is a band called No Secrets. Wow. And you may remember the iconic single, That's What Girls Do. I don't remember. You're going to (laughs) remember... I don't know this at all. It's in, like, it's from Lizzie McGuire or one of those. I hate it. You're gonna remember. Lot of things. It's just a chick thing. No? Well, alright. Listeners, you may remember the iconic single, That's What Girls Do, by No Secrets, but that's not who we're seeing. <laughs> All of that to say, we're going to see Sigrid, the Norwegian pop starlet, sadly not from Canada. If only. Um, she's incredible, but um, anyway, let's get the show on the road so we make it to the concert. Yes. Um, news. Well, before we get into that, we should probably clarify, as you probably saw from the title of this episode, this is going to be our deep dive into all things Taylor Swift, um, to celebrate her wildly successful album Lover, as well as just a retrospective on her career, but before we do that... It's not all a celebration. Well, it's not all a celebration. It's definitely not all a a celebration. It's a deep dive. It's a deep dive. It's a discussion. Yeah. Our red table It's a consideration. (laughs) (laughs) For your consideration. (laughs) 
Um, but before we get there, let us chat about news. Where should we start? Oh, God, do we want to tackle this Britney mess first? Jesus, there's so much shit to talk about with sure. Britney. You take it away, because I feel like I'm not even... I honestly don't even... I will start by saying this. I have a hard time believing anything that gets reported about this, because, like, so many things have been reported about this that weren't true. Yeah, so let's talk... W- let's start with facts. Fact number one, Britney's a brunette again. Brunette news. Er, most urgent news. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the easiest to confirm. That's true. You can look at a picture of her and see that her no, hair is brown. No, she is brunette again. She is brunette again, which historically... Has meant that she is going through some shit. I think she has said that herself. Her hair color reflects her mood. Another confirmable thing. Brittany and Jamie Lynn have unfollowed each other on Instagram. Yes. That is confirmable. That is confirmable. A third confirmable thing is that Kevin Federline has now changed the custody agreement and arrangement for Jaden and Sean Preston. Before it was joint custody, 50-50. Now it is 70-30 Kevin with very with strict limitations on Britney's visitation rights and particular limitations on who is allowed to see the boys because the most important piece of all of this is that Kevin has also formally filed a restraining order against Jamie Spears, Britney's dad, also the head of the conservatorship, because of child abuse allegations against Jamie regarding to a altercation, a physical altercation he allegedly had with Sean Preston. I don't even know where to begin. I also, when I first heard this story, I read it as jamie lynn like the yeah case was I against jamie lynn and i was like oh my god what is she doing i mean what is jamie doing too yeah they should not have named her jamie lynn because there's jamie lynn and jamie lynn <laughs> there's <laughs> jamie annoying. comma lynn comma and jamie lynn yes apparently um jamie has also in air quotes requested to step down as a conservator due to health issues but really it's all because of these child abuse allegations and that is confirmed well, he has had mm-hmm. health issues. Right. I guess. Um, I don't know. That's not confirmed. Really? Well, I mean, Brittany said he did, and that's why they canceled. Well, there's anyway. the constant question of, like, is Brittany really posting to her Instagram? Or is someone right taking the pictures and videos and, like, posting as though they're her? And there's all these, like, conspiracy theories showing, like, the point in time that people think Brittany stopped being in control of her Instagram, where, like, certain ways that she typed changed. Mm -hmm. This is some thing that I went on a deep YouTube hole into (laughs) recently. It's kind of crazy, but I think what's happening is, like, there's also a bunch of shit with the conservatorship coming up. Recently, Jamie filed, before he stepped down, filed to be Britney's conservator, extending to, like, 12 or 13 more states or something. Basically, the states that Britney was most likely to visit where she has friends and things like that, including, mm-hmm. like, Florida, Hawaii, like, Virginia, like, random places like that. So there's a bunch of hearings and trials that are coming up, basically, to determine Britney's legal status and the conservatorship. In the midst of all of this, Britney's doctor suddenly died. Oh, I, for- I forgot about that, because so much has happened. It, like, literally just happened, I think. Brittany's doctor just suddenly died, which is very important in the, like, 
this is the medical professional that has been saying that Britney is unwell. This is the medical professional that has been saying that Britney needs to stay under the conservatorship. That person is now dead. Suddenly. So there's a lot happening. I saw this headline and I was like, what if this ends up happening? And it was, is Kevin Federline of all people going to be the person that saves Britney from her conservatorship? That would be quite a full circle. They would need to do a Lifetime sequel. Brittany and Kevin, still chaotic. Uh, I was I was talking about the oh the scripted one, the scripted un, one, the un um unofficial. Mm-hmm. So yeah, do you have any more information? Do you have any thoughts? Let us know in the DMs, in the comments, um, in our inbox at bopcornpodcast at gmail Um, we would love to know what details we're missing because as two Brittany stands. We're feeling very overwhelmed by this amount of. I truly have shut down because I'm just like something real will come out eventually. Besides, like every random breathe heavy blog post about this. I don't know what um, you're talking about. Breathe heavy is actual news. <laughs> <laughs> no shade to breathe heavy, which we obsessively read. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to say about this beyond praying for Brittany. Hope you're. Hope you're okay. Listen, at this point, I think she just needs to retire. I just want her to, like, stop, mm-hmm. be with her kids, and her fucking snack of a man, and just, like, live her goddamn life. Like, she just, she, that's what she deserves. That is what she deserves. Speaking of drama that has a lot of moving parts, and that I've kind of fallen off the bandwagon on, let's talk about this... Forever 21, Ariana Grande, pheromone? Legal battle? Where's the, where's the Forever 21 part? That's where it all started. So, Forever 21 releases an ad campaign in which there is somebody that looks suspiciously similar to Ariana Grande in the Seven Rings music video. Ariana Grande then sues Forever 21 for $10 million. Reminder, Forever 21 is a company that is going bankrupt. Yes. Sues them for $10 million um, because of, basically, they stole her likeness. They also said that she, um, basically, what's come out is that she was supposed to have a, like, merch collaboration or something of the effect with Forever 21 that fell through. So they're trying to capitalize on Ariana Grande still. So, this starts blowing up. Then... RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star, Pheromone. Oh, and that's why she says Ariana should have given me a cut of that $10 million. Uh-huh. That's what the, so the tweet she put out says, Ariana should give me a cut of that $10 million since her team literally sent a picture of me to the designer and paid them to copy my look from All-Stars 4. Finally met the designer and got told the tea. I guess stealing from queer artists for profit is fine, though. Shrug emoji. There's a side-by-side of these looks cut off the head and it's like identical from neck down is identical and yeah also following this like farah tweeted her thing aria has yet to respond about like a week later to the shock of literally everybody on the world insert sarcasm here everybody was all up in arms and you know just totally stunned that the um, mood boards, like basically like the Pinterest boards for her 
current sweetener slash thank you next tour leaked online and she was appropriating black artists what you're talking about ariana grande i know ariana grande who's literally the color of this white wall and white couch we're sitting on well not really that was that was sarcasm (laughs) that was that was sarcasm she's she's decidedly not that color though she was born in that color so yeah ariana grande once again just can't my hot take is a hot take that you've had for a minute which is that she just needs to like take a page out of taylor swift's book and just go off the record for a year or two. She definitely needs to do that. Well, my hot take, which I've also had for a long time, is that, you know, I don't want to tell people what is appropriating something that's not mine to begin with, but I will say, like, she is surrounded... Her entire team is people of color who she lifts up and supports, Mm -hmm. and they are the ones kind of feeding her these images and these sounds... Um, so she's kind of a product of the machine and that machine is the music industry that is, you know, celebrates black aesthetic without celebrating black artists. And like, I'm sure her label is encouraging her to lean into like the aesthetic and the sound that she's leaning into. I'm sure her friends are too. Her friends, like, you know what I mean? So it's a complicated issue. It's not. I think it's much more complicated than just, like, she's appropriating other artists. Yeah. It's more like we are in a world where someone like Ariana can employ the same sort of aesthetics and sounds and succeed more than another artist. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that. That's that. On the topic of celebrating blackness, and in particular black girl magic... Literal queen of the universe, Lizzo, has officially dethroned two scrubs named Camila and Sean (laughs) from the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 with Truth Hurts, which is so exciting and so iconic. We salute you, Lizzo. It's so iconic that a song that came out two years ago is finally getting the love and attention that it deserves. It's so interesting how this is happening with her. I mean, like, I know we've talked about it, but it's just kind of like, who, like, how? I don't really get it. Um, I did a little bit of reading into it. Apparently it was in Truth Hurts regained popularity because of a TikTok meme. And also regained popularity because it was in a Netflix rom-com. Hmm. Something... Well, and once it starts, like, once there's the spark, then obviously popular songs get more popular because people hear them, blah, blah, blah. But, like, just interesting. I'm just, I'm honestly surprised it wasn't good as hell. Still. Or Juice. Or just, like, one of the ones that I think is not even better, but just, like, a little bit more just kind of, like, mainstream catchy. Truth Hurts is, like, so much. It is so much, but that's why it's it's a TikTok. That's why it was a yeah. good meme, because it's like, it is the most. And... And you all, you will remember it. Mm-hmm. She is 100% that bitch, now on the top of the Billboard charts, which is really exciting and refreshing. It's also bringing up a really interesting conversation of, like, 
how long a song can be out before it gets popular. Like, you know, we see it every year at Christmas, Mariah Carey, All I Want For Christmas Is You, gets suddenly re-back in the top ten. True. That but that, like, tracks. That makes more sense mm-hmm. to me. But Lizzo literally came out of, I don't want to say nowhere, but, like, for, like, straight white people, came out of nowhere. Yeah. Truth. And that truth doesn't hurt. Wow. Well, we have to end on that. (laughs) Let's move on to some sad news for the Barb's. Nicki Minaj announced her retirement. Now, (laughs) I saw this tweet, and I was kind of like, haha, because it just doesn't feel real at all. But I guess it is. I'm on her Twitter again. Just to see if there's been anything new. No, she said she's talking about it on Queen Radio tomorrow. Oh. You know that uh, radio And she's show. still doing things. She's still doing Fendi. Not Fenty, but Fendi. The original tweet is, I've decided to retire and have my family. I know you guys are happy now. Which is such an interesting choice of words. To my fans, keep repping me. Do it till the death of me. Check in the box, because ain't nobody checking me. Love you for life. I, the, the phrase, I know you guys are happy now. Like, what does that mean? I, she's so mysterious to me. Yeah. But she has been retweeting memes since then of, like, people saying, like, oh, when you, like, this one says, like, when you realize you're never gonna hear Nikki do blah, blah, blah again. She, like, retweeted that. So it's real, I think. What's comical about this is, one, the fan reaction was just, like, the world ended. Mm-hmm. Well, the barbs are always going to go hard. As they should for their girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the barbs go extra hard. They're, like, notoriously the most toxic fan base online. I don't know. I think the barbs have, like, they're just always on attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared but to, I mean, like, the Rihanna Navy, who's just like, sis, when's an album coming? <laughs> I know. And, like, the Britney army that's, like... Are you okay? True. I think this has um, been an interesting development. Anyway, on apparently um, Thursdays, Nikki still does her Queen radio show um, on Apple Beats 1, whatever that radio area is. So theoretically, Nikki will be addressing the retirement rumors? I mean, not really. Even not really rumor. Like She'll be explaining. Explaining her, the tweet imminently so well stay tuned stay stay tuned for that um, now let's talk about flume eating someone's ass out at burning man <laughs> great segue <laughs> um, i mean is there a good segue into that no um burning man happened always a hot spot for various celebs and especially djs and pop music acts i guess really just like paris hilton goes every year I feel like she's always the one that you see at the top of those slideshows, like Celebs at Burning Man. Flume, who's a DJ producer, literally ate a girl's ass out on stage during his set at Burning Man. Iconic? Iconic. Honestly, iconic. I don't know who the girl was. It is like maybe his girlfriend. Maybe not. Maybe it was just a random girl. Hopefully she had she had just hit the uh, the big shower tent 
there's like one big shower tent, mm-hmm. but other than that, like people aren't really showering. So, um, you know, stay hygienic, but go off. Yeah. Next. Um. Camila release new music. Okay, next. <laughs> great. I think we're done with the news. Great. Cool. Why don't we get into some of our hot, buttery, salty, nasty, nasty. hot dogs? Not nasty. <laughs> Delicious, fresh kernels. Ah, uh, yes, that's where you're going. If with you, <laughs> if you forgot, fresh kernels is our segment where we bring you the hottest, freshest new pop jams from the last couple weeks. So, um, it's been a huge two weeks. Two yeah. weeks. I feel like I say this every time. Fall is like the time of releasing music though. So we're in that crunch time of like, we're never going to even have time to talk about everything we want to hit as far as new releases. Mm-hmm. I think the big ones that have happened since we last recorded are, uh, Norman fucking Rockwell, the new Lana Del Rey album, which we love. It's amazing. Um, but we will probably be doing our Alana episode coming up, mm-hmm. so we will save all of our deep, deep Lana thoughts, which we have many, for that. Muna's album dropped. Yeah. Which we are very excited about. So if you are not familiar, um, this one means that you didn't listen to the first episode of the podcast, which, honestly, how dare you? And stop right now and go back to episode one. But two, in case you still need a reminder, Muna is an incredible band of three lady queers from Los Angeles. Their sophomore album, Saves the World, came out uh, uh, recently, and it is amazing. It really is amazing. You know what I was thinking as I was listening to it? Because I started it and I was like, this is so good. And then by the end of it, I was like, holy shit. And it's, like, very rare that an album, like, gets better. Like, the second half of the album is so much stronger. And, like, when we talk about Taylor, I'm going to bring this up again in a different way. Mm -hmm. But, um, the, uh... Let her have it, sis. The the album, um, the Muna album, like, truly gets better and better as it goes. And the closing track, um, to give you your first jam, um, the closing track is my favorite. Something we said before about Muna was that they are kind of like a feel-good... It's feel-good music, but, like, in a more thoughtful way. Like, not just like, oh, it's bubblegum pop, it makes you feel good, but it's like... It's like your soul feels good. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of sad. Like, some of it's sad, but um, it's just very, like... I don't know, nourishing. I would describe it as nourishing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the closing track, it is called... It's going to be okay, baby. And it kind of is sort of a letter to their younger selves telling them, like, you're going to go through all these hardships in your life and also have all these great times. And, like, through it all, you're just going to keep moving and, like, your mm-hmm. life's going to continue and be great. Um, so here it is. You're going to move to New York and experiment with calm. That's a really good one. I really love that one. I think my personal favorite on the album, which is my first edition to Fresh Kernels, because this album is honestly so good that we can't not have two songs, um, is Pink Light. It just is the banger, I feel like, of the album. Like, it just gets me going every single time. 
I have not had the chance to really sit down and fully digest the lyrics of it yet, so I can't give, like, a thoughtful, deep lyrical analysis like Will did, but it just is a really energetic song, at the chorus especially, and um, it's just what I think of when I really think of just a great, great, great Muna song. Then maybe if you stay for an hour or two When the sun came up When I saw you um, honestly, listen to the entire album all the way through. We love it. Uh, number one fan might still be my favorite from the album, although I it all needs to digest with me still. But uh, listen to the whole thing and let us know what your favorite track is. My next song is by an artist who I never thought I would be bringing up on this podcast, but it is Louis Tomlinson, and his new single is called Kill My Mind. I was never, like, a big... One Deer, what are they called? Directioner. Directioner? That's so stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, like, no shade to the Directioners. And it's funny, I shouldn't shade them because, like, I tweeted, so this song came out, and I am obsessed with it. I really like it. And I don't think I've listened to any of his other solo music much. There was one song with BB Rexa that I remember listening to, but it was, like, very meh. I mix up which songs were by... Which member? Which ones? I remember liking the the like, sort of smutty Liam one, about strip down, strip that strip down, that, strip that down. That's a good one. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't listened to most of their solo music, but this one has a really fun, catchy. I like. I feel like a real music person would like slam me for saying this, but like, to me, it's very like if the Beatles were making music now, like that. Not that it's that good, but I just mean like that's kind of the sound of it. It's sort of, like, folky, poppy, and, like, fun, but it's really good. And here it is. So when I was listening to it, I tweeted which was kind of really a dig on Louis Tomlinson, but I was like, I can't stop listening to Louis Tomlinson's new song, Why Am I Like This? Which was like sort of making fun of myself and the song, but it was saying that I liked the song. And then all these directioners, or like specifically Louis stands, started like commenting and retweeting and like signal boosting this random tweet that like wasn't even that complimentary. And now I think it's my most viral tweet of all time. Wow. So I have to stand. Like, this fandom truly embraced me with open arms, even though you were shitting. I was like, this song is lame, but I really like it. And literally, there are 30, 40 comments that just say, taste, taste, we stand. Um, you have taste, sir. Hell yeah. I love it. That's what I call good taste. So, um, <laughs> thank you for, uh, bringing me into your hive, Louis Stans. I am now a Stan, and, um, gonna get a tattoo of his face later. Thank you so much. My most viral tweet is still what I tweeted at the RuPaul's Drag Race finale. Miss Congeniality is Soju's cyst. <laughs> uh, shout out to Soju for signal boosting that tweet. <laughs> She had to have something. Um, you know, she did have to have something. Anyway, my next song is by not one, 
but two of our favorite pop queens. I can't even, I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that Tovalo and Kylie Minogue have collaborated on a song together. Truly, like, imagine that email exchange. XOXO girl, love you, Kylie. Oh my god, what the fuck, let's do a song together, Tove. Sure, bitch, Kylie. I See, I feel like it must have been Tove, who was like, oh my god, queen, legend, like, let's do this, I am obsessed with you, and Kylie's like, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> I don't know. Who? I mean, who? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, this song is called Really Don't Like You. It's off of Tove Lowe's new upcoming album, and it's a banger. I was listening to it in the shower earlier, and really was doing the most with the soap. Well then, on that note, if you have not heard this yet, go fondle your soap like Will did and listen to it here. I love this outfit. I love this outfit. I love your outfit again. I need to remember to wear a cute outfit when we record. You were wearing a cute outfit. This is cute. Now I like this outfit. I guess I'm wearing what I'm going to wear to the concert. Yeah, that's, I mean, I had to work today, so. I'm wearing this, but I'm wearing my cute little shirt with pineapples on it. Shout out to Chip and Adrian for getting it for me at Marshall's for like $10. I am wearing, speaking of Drag Race, my black leather bracelet, quote unquote, which is actually a cock ring. That I got at a party from Alaska Thunderfuck in Seattle. She threw it at me in the crowd. Shout out to Alaska. Shout out. Love you, girl. Big, big fan of the pod. Come, come, come on our pod. Alaskan Willem. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Friends of the pod, Alaskan Willem. Honestly, please. Cool. What's your next song, boo? Um, uh, my next song is by Pia Mia. If I did talk about her, I was mentioning her in the realm of, like, the Ava Maxes of the universe, where there's that phenomenon of, like, the song, like, a song comes out, and it's by Pia Mia or Ava Max, and you're like, who? And then you click on it, and you go through their library, and you realize, like, oh, I actually kind of know a lot of these, or I like a lot of these. Mm -hmm. Um, And Pia Mia is very that for me. Um, She keeps releasing bangers. Like, I might stand. Um, I'm a, I'm a P, I'm a P, I'm a P in the pod. What's her, let me know what the name of her fan base is. If anyone out there is a PMEA stan. Anyone? No? Okay. Anyway. What are the Ava Max stands called? Maxi pads? Maxinistas? (laughs) (laughs) Horrible either way. (laughs) Anyway, here is the new PMEA song. It's called Feel Up. Feel Up. I'm gonna play it for you because it's a banger. Just for a second. Baby, come on and just feel up. Oh, make me feel like this is real love. Real love. It has that very work from home, like, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's got that. It's for for grinding, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Tara Jr. Like, a little bit more... A little. Yeah, no, produced, I... Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. My last song is a song that literally came up on Facebook or YouTube and was like, watch this. And I clicked on it because I was like, sure, why not? And now I'm obsessed with it. And it's called Not Now by Allie Hills. I don't have anything else to say other than that. 
I've never heard it. It's so. a banger. I played it for you earlier. Oh, that's right. It's a banger. I stand. <laughs> here. It, it, since you don't have the privilege of being here when we record these, here's a clip of Not Now. I am obsessed. Well, I think it's time for us to move on to the main event. Oh no. But before we get to the main event, it is time for us to play a game. So for those of you who are friends of the pod, you will remember that Will played a game with me last week that I had no idea what it was. And it was entitled Who? And it was a smash hit. I think it was really fun. And so this, the tables have turned. This week, we will also be playing Who? Oh! But the Taylor Swift Boyfriend Edition. I had a feeling that this was going to be the game. <laughs> so I, well, and I've been listening to I was through. dropping hints like, it's going to be who the Taylor Swift <laughs> songs boyfriend. are about. Is, it, is that the game? So the, the game is, I will tell you the name of a song. Okay. You will tell me the boyfriend that the song is about. Okay. If you require hints, I will first <clears throat> tell you what album the song was on. Okay. If you still need another hint, I will give you a lyric from the song that we think it is. So, for example, if I were to say, Dear John. Jake Gyllenhaal. No. No. John Mayer. There you are. <laughs> there you are. There you are. Um, I'm sad. I don't was... even, I literally don't even have a clue for that one because it was the example, but. I'm sad that it was the example because that is one of the few that I feel like I know for sure. I but know. I have been listening all week in preparation to discuss the album, so here we go. All right. Um, so there are eight. Okay. That's not um, so and some of them may or may not be repeats, so if you feel like you have repeated... That's fine. Then um, you can guess the same person again. Okay. Um, I think for the most part, they go in order of difficulty, but we'll see. Okay. Your first song is Back to December. Okay, this is the one that's like Forgiveness. Right? Mm -hmm. So, Taylor Lautner? Yes. It is Taylor Lautner. I remember because I had read that that was, like, the one guy she feels that she has wronged. Or at least at the time of writing. At the time. Versus, like, guys that she feels that she was the victim of. Yes. Good work. You got one. Honestly, better than I thought you were gonna do. Me too, honestly. (laughs) Your second song title is... I forgot that you existed. This was a gimme, I feel like, because it's from Lover, so I it's all been in recent news. This is about Calvin Harris. Mm-hmm. This is about Calvin Harris. Um, we actually had a conversation about this, I think, because yeah. a lot of people thought it was about Kanye, and or Kimye, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it is really clearly about an ex-relationship, as evidenced by the line... Would have been right there, front row, even if nobody came to your show. It's all about Calvin, you know, putting on a show. 
And that was the breakup that happened in the midst of, like, the decline of her reputation, mm-hmm. which is kind of what the song is about. Yeah. Awesome. Your third song is also a gimme. Style. This is Harry Styles. This is about Harry Styles. One Directioner. My Kings. <laughs> <laughs> um, style probably requires a little explanation, but, um, you know, the chorus, you got that James Dean daydream look in your eyes. A lot of people think that Harry Styles and his, um, at the time of dating Taylor Swift, looked a lot like James Dean. I still think he does. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to Perfect by One Direction. Mm-hmm. Which sounds just like style and basically nearly identical. Honestly, those both of those songs are some of my favorites by the respective artists. True. All right, this one I'll be sad if you don't know, because it's my favorite Taylor Swift song. But this is your fourth song is all too well. Okay, I knew that was gonna be the song. Okay, I feel like this song is about. Like, remembering the good and the bad of a relationship. Right? I'd say it's a little bit more about remembering the bad. More about the bad, but I feel like, yeah. You have a lot of fond memories and the relationship didn't end the way that either of you really wanted it to. Right. Um, okay, I know it's from Red. Okay. But what's the other hint? The other hint is, and I left my scarf there at your sister's house, and you still got it in your drawer even now. Oh, God. Is it Jake Gyllenhaal? It is Jake Gyllenhaal. Part of why I gave you the clue is because Mm -hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, Yes, so Taylor used to do this thing... Uh, I don't think she did it. I know she didn't do it for Reputation. I don't think she did it for Lover because she published, she gave out those diaries with Lover. But in the album liners for a lot of her songs, you know, in the lyric booklets that you get in like a physical Oh, CD, yeah, there would be like act- coded messages. Mm-hmm. And th- the one for All Too Well was Maple Latte, which they were highly publicized drinking maple lattes while she was wearing a scarf because there were a lot of paparazzi pictures. That's right. So fans now believe that that is the scarf that Jake Gyllenhaal still has. I should have remembered that because I remembered that there was some coffee, like the coffee shop that that photograph was taken at, mm-hmm. renamed the maple latte Jake and Taylor. Really? And it's still called that. That's I forget amazing. where that That's is. That's iconic. Her <clears throat> impact. Her impact. Their impact. You know what's funny about Jake Gyllenhaal? Is, like, that's the one, because I guess because he, to me, is, like, so famous for so many things and is older, or, like, seems so much older than Taylor compared to her other boyfriends, that, like, I forget that they dated. But that was one of the longer ones. That was a a longer one, for sure. Your next song is Gorgeous. Ooh. Gorgeous. Okay. It's from Reputation. And the song is like, oh, you're so gorgeous, and I'm, like, kind of playing hard to get with you. But based on when it... It must be Joe Alwyn. Is it, it is. Joe Alwyn? Okay. It's Joe. <clears throat> you should take it as a compliment that I got drunk and made fun of the way you talk. Oh, because he's British. Mm-hmm. 
It is about Joe. Is he her only British boyfriend? No. she's making so many no. jokes about that. We will get there. Don't worry, boo-boo. Oh. oh, and Harry Styles, duh. Yeah. It's funny that she talks, like, there's so many little references of him being British when, like, she's dated other British She's guys. also been in a relationship with him for, like, three or, three or so years now, so I think that that's kind of, like, you know, occupied a certain yeah prominence in the brain. Fair. All right, song number six. You've actually gotten all of them so far. I know. Let's maybe I can get all eight. Song number six is "Holy Ground." Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Psych. Well, no. Okay. It's from Red, right? It is from Red. Which means it's either Jake or Harry. I think. Holy ground. Hmm. I think it's Harry. You are incorrect. Oh. Was it Jake? It is not Jake. It's not Jake or Harry. It is actually Joe Jonas. Oh. Twist. Which is a throwback it's from like, the Fearless era. Yeah. Um, the song is all about reflecting. This is the song that's really all about reflecting on the good times that you had in a relationship. And it's the right. very... Um, darling, it was good, never looking down, and right there where we stood was holy ground, is the clue, because it is a very reminiscent, reflecting song. I, I think this one it. similarly was decoded by the Swifties through the album notes. Mm. I think whatever was, um, capitalized, spelled out to, like, a concert date or something on the Red Tour, or on a tour or something that Joe like, went to post-breakup and supported her out or something. That's cute. Good Um, for Joe. Yeah, good for Joe. Song number seven is Getaway Car. This one, I know. Because I remember thinking, like, like, imagining him being in the video and wondering if he would do it. Well, I guess they'd broken up, but Tom Hiddleston. Correct. And, and, and Calvin, I guess. Yeah. The song is about basically how, like, Taylor got over Calvin while they were still dating and then started dating Tom Hiddleston right after they broke up. Right. That adds up. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. But. We were jet set, Bonnie and Clyde, until I switched to the other side. It's no surprise I turn you in because us traitors never win. Oh, shit. Is the bridge. And finally. I'm shaking. I'm scared. Your last song is Starlight. Oh, I know this one! Oh, damn it! (laughs) It's because it's so cute. It is about Robert Kennedy and Ethel Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And technically the boyfriend is Connor Kennedy. Right. But the song itself is when they were dating, she heard all about Bobby Kennedy and Ethel Kennedy's love story. Well, so... And she wrote it from the perspective of Ethel. The reason that I knew this is because, spoiler alert, this is my pick for Deep Cut from Red, one of my favorites. It's hard to, it was hard to pick Red because... Red is the best album one. Red is the best album, but my favorites are the singles. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I really like Starlight. It's so cute. And then when I was like putting it together, I was like reading, I mean, I was reading like all the Taylor Swift stuff. And then I read that story and basically it was specifically a photo of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like a photo of them in high school. They were 17 and they were like just getting to know each other. I met Bobby on the boardwalk summer of 45. Um, is that a lyric? Yeah. Oh, it's I didn't realize it was that literal. I met Bobby on the boardwalk, summer of 45. Right. I feel like Taylor really shines when she... Like, this is something I noticed really going back through the catalog in a way that I probably never have. Um, Which is why I love doing this podcast. With you. Oh, baby. Um, baby. I feel like she really shines when she writes about people that aren't her. Like, sometimes that... Or at the very least is telling, like, a very detailed story. Like, a specific story Mm -hmm. versus just, like, I'm scorned. Um, because, I mean, obviously the personal ones also carry weight, but, like... Sometimes I think she's capable of a little bit more, like, nuance and perspective when she's writing about something abstract. Like, I think one of the most thoughtful songs from Self-Titled, her debut album, when she was so young, was, um, it is called Tied Together with a Smile. Mm. And it's about a friend of hers who was, like, the popular girl who everybody kind of, like, was jealous of and guys were really into her and then she found out that she was struggling with an eating disorder and then just kind of like imagined this sort of like rich inner world and deep struggle that she didn't realize the girl was going through yeah which is like compared to some other taylor tracks especially from the early albums is like pretty mature and thoughtful Mm mm-hmm well, before we get too deep into talking about other Taylor songs, you got seven out of eight. I'm proud of myself. You did really well. Just Holy Ground, which was tricky. Because I the the way that I tried to narrow it down was like, I know which album album. Mm-hmm. That's why like I was going to have era. this clue for you. Well, congratulations. You did very well. Thank you. Um, We're going to take a little break. And once we come back with a drink in hand and... Then we will have all the more conversation about Taylor Swift coming right at you. Also, I have to pee. See you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say I didn't, say I didn't warn ya. Hi, everybody. Hi, we're back. Will has peed. I have stretched the cramp out of my leg. We both have these fucking LaCroix. Nicola. Which tastes like, low-key tastes like ass, but I'm going to keep drinking it because I'm thirsty. By the end of it? Does it taste okay. like the ass that Flume ate out on stage? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know Flume. If her ass tasted like this, good for her. But, okay, mark mark my words, listeners. By the end of Justin drinking it, he's gonna like it. Because I went through this same journey where the first one I tried, I was like, no. I was just saying this in the kitchen. I was literally kombucha girl. I took a sip, and I was like, eh. Uh. Uh. No. Well. And then I liked it. 
Well, we'll see. So we'll see. I'm currently about a quarter of the way through this can, and I'm still at no. Full stop. Look at us being good girls, though. I have, know. Having LaCroix. Not having alcohol. I'm sick. <laughs> so, in preparation for this episode, which is a Deep Cuts episode, as you might remember from our first Deep Cuts episode, the Fifth Harmony episode, we went through and just found our favorite underappreciated songs by the artist and kind of shared them with you all. For Taylor, it's a little bit more of a process because, you know, Fifth Harmony had three albums. Taylor now has eight. So, um, what we have done, with the exception of me and <laughs> one album, is we have all listened to all of the albums, again, start to finish, and have selected just some of our favorite underappreciated songs. There'll be a full playlist of just our favorite Taylor Swift songs available on Spotify. Episode 4, Deep Cuts, Taylor Swift. Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. So we're gonna, we're gonna go old school. We're gonna go back to when Taylor Swift was a little girl on a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania writing songs in her bedroom. And those songs eventually turned into her first album, self-titled Taylor Swift. Shout out to her massive hair. Really? I always forget. I always forget. We're looking forget at the album too. cover right now, and it is a lion's mane. I think if she brought it back, like, that would be kind of iconic. I think she should. Her hair looks so good yeah, now. Her, her but hair does look so good now. Like, when she, when she cut it for 1989, remember how everyone was obsessed? Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah, so... This album... I'm gonna, in full disclosure, I did not listen to this album again. I listened to all the other ones, and I started listening to it on the car oh, right really? here. But then I listened to Sigrid instead, because I forgot that I had also never fully listened to this album before the concert. Well, so you're gonna I have will lead the discussion. more thoughts on Taylor Swift. My thoughts on Taylor Swift are... Will, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, you know, I don't hate this album. So my journey, my personal journey with Taylor Swift has been very, like, I honestly don't, I vaguely remember when she was, like, first on the scene and everyone was talking about this first album and I was like, okay, cool, like, I don't like country. And then, of course, I remember uh, Love Story and You Belong With Me from Fearless which both of which I hated, and upon reflection, I still hate them. Um, so after that, I was like, I hate Taylor Swift. She is so, like, full of shit. Like, she's n- the epitome of, like, I'm not like other girls. I have a brain. Or, like, I wear Skechers. What's her line? I wear No, sneakers. she wears she wears high heels. I wear sneakers. Which she's I think is such, like... I'm on the bleachers. That is, like, the ultimate, like, girls thinking that other girls don't understand them. When really... I have also seen Will drunkenly sing along to every word. Well, of, of course I know me. all the words because I was born in the 90s and was a, ch- was a teen tween during the time of it existing, so I was indoctrinated. But anyway, I never really listened to this first album that much until I got into Taylor Swift later in life, which didn't happen until Red came out. Although I listen to a bit of Speak Now, 
I mean, I listened to all of them because she's so everywhere, but didn't get into it until Red. And then I went back. And I still love our song. And he says, Our song is a slam and scream door, snake and alley, tapping on your window. When we're on the phone and you talk real slow, cause it's late and your mama don't. Cause it's so hokey. I mean, the nice thing about this album compared to every other album, including Fearless, is that like she's not even so sort of like self-aware yet and so like self-policing in terms of like what she's doing like they're very just sort of like authentically like like girl writing music about like a normal life and you can hear that I mean it's also the least it's the least evolved of any of her albums it's arguably the worst just in terms of production and and music quality but there is something sort of like wholesome and sweet about it which, like, even Fearless was lost. Um, I think of the songs that I know from this album that weren't singles, mm -hmm. I think Cold As You is pretty good. Oh, what a shame, what a rainy ending given to a perfect day. Cold As You is good. It was even then surprisingly mature. I was going to say, even then, um, as I said, with Tied Together With A Smile, like, she had a mature take on music and lyrics. Sometimes she chooses not to be mature, but... Which is fine, you know, we're all like that sometimes. She is capable. She was capable of it from a young age. Mm -hmm. I think my, as I said, my highlights are um, Cold As You. I remember liking The Outside as well. That's a good one. It's hard for me. I mean, I, again, the best... Picking the deep cuts, which is kind of the theme of these artist-centric episodes. I know that this isn't, it was a single, but I really do believe that our song doesn't get the cred. Like, nobody thinks of it. I think the one that people think of, the, the two that people think of from this album are Tim McGraw and Picture to Burn. Oh no, Te Teardrops on My Guitar. And Teardrops on My Guitar. It's no, like right. her big song from this album. No, that's true. And the only reason people think of Picture to Burn is because it was, like, the first homophobic. Remember the whole, she had to change the lyrics what was controversy. It? it was, you won't mind if I say that you're gay. When she's, like, ragging on her ex-boyfriend who, like, cheated on her or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in the actual version, it's, you won't mind if I say, by the way. I hate that stupid old pickup truck, you never let me drive, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow, throwback. Mm -hmm. Throwback to LGBTQ icon Taylor Swift's, mm -hmm. or ally, mm -hmm. Taylor Swift's humble beginnings. Yes. Um, well, she got there. Uh, she, yeah, she got there. I think we can move on to Fearless. Yeah, let's move on to Fearless. I think Fearless is really, like, the album. It's the album. I mean, From I think her even, early career. even now, I think it's... One of her best albums. It's one of her best albums, but it's also, like, I think the one that will be her, like, in 50 years, like, Fearless will still... Fearless really in 1989. Not, I was gonna say not 1989. Those two, though. Yeah. Even though, like, Red, Reputation, and Lover all have these big hits, like, Fearless made her a star, I guess. Yeah, Fearless was the album that changed everything. Um, I think also, you know, Fearless is the era where 
everything started between Taylor and Kanye. God, yeah. Which well, this and is when not... she started dating famous guys. Yeah, this is All the she's... exes... I was really afraid when you were playing the game that you were gonna whip out, like, picture Drew. of Burn. Yeah, like, like whatever. <laughs> or the other guy, the, like, one she did when she was 13 or something. I have finished the LaCroix. What's and the I verdict? don't like it. Fine. It's because you didn't sip it. Okay. Um, but yeah, Fearless has, I think, when I listen, when I listen to Fearless again as a, like, 26-year-old man, it made me feel like I was in, in, like, middle school, high school again. You know, it had that kind of, like... Do you think it's because that's how old you were when it was... Yeah, no, 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 entirely. Like, it made me just feel like a kid again. I wasn't sure if you meant... Um, just because, like, it emotes that so hard. Oh, I mean, it very much emotes that so hard. I mean, you obviously have, you know, the smash hits that were questionable. Like, I think there are some really great moments on Fearless. I think my personal favorites are actually from the, like, platinum edition that came out in between Fearless and Speak Now. Um, the very first song, Jump Then Fall, is just, like, a really cute song about falling in love with somebody. I was sad when you took that one, because that's one of the few that I remembered before listening to Fearless again. As one that I really liked, but it is a good one. My other deep cut is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from Jump and Fall. It's Tell Me Why, which is very petty country Taylor. But I still like it. I, so, in this whole, like, Taylor re-listening, the one song that, like, I had forgotten about that I got so hooked on that it, like made it into my rotation, even though, obviously, it's old, it is from Fearless. Mm-hmm. Can you guess which song it is? Is it Hey Steven? It's Hey Steven! <laughs> I, like, okay, shout out to our friend Lauren Zach. We love you. We love you. Can't wait to have you in LA yes. next month. We had this long talk in the car one night for, like, an hour about what our favorite Taylor Swift songs were, and we went through all the albums... And we literally had, like, inverse opinions on every song. So she'll... I got this from her. I realized that my taste in Taylor Swift is annoying. Like, her more annoying, tongue-in-cheeky songs are the ones that I like. Like, Shake It Off. I like Mm -hmm. Shake It Off. A lot of people don't. And Hey Steven is just, like, so absurd. And I read the story behind this as well. It was, like, about one of the band members of her mm-hmm. tour. Yeah. Who she, like, never dated. Yeah. She was just like, I'm gonna write a funny song about you called Hey Steven. Yeah. And Steven was like, I'm married. It's, uh, uh, when I listen to this, this is when I first noticed a trend 
But Taylor Swift tends to write, like, proto-versions of songs. Before the actual. Before, like, it really comes to fruition in a later song. Mm-hmm. So to me, Hey Steven is kind of the proto-version of what would later become mine. And they have very similar, like... Yeah. Like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Um, they do. That is true. To move forward into Speak Now. So the story behind Speak Now before we get into songs from Speak Now, is Speak Now, basically, um, like, Fearless also was her first of two albums to win Album of the Year at the Grammys. A lot of people were critiquing her, saying, like, a young girl basically can't do this. There must be something wrong in this picture, right? Or something that we're not seeing. Um... Which Meaning, is, like, people are helping her. Yeah, like, more people are helping her than we think are helping her. And to Taylor's credit, as we have seen time and time again, Taylor is not one to, like, when people <laughs> don't take her seriously. True. As we all should take a lesson from. And she said, I'm going to write this entire album by myself. I am not going to have a co-writer. And I'm going to show you that I can still write a number one album, I can still win Grammys, I can still do all of those things with nobody else other than myself writing these songs. And she did. She did The girl did it. She won multiple Grammys. I think Mean won at least one or two Grammys. She she Mean makes me eye roll too. I actually love, I actually like I like it. So my favorite from this album, fittingly, since I love Hey Steven, is mine. But I do love, I, I think Mean is good, and this has some of her, like, deep cut classics. But it also has... This has, like, the biggest deep cut classic on it, which is Enchanted. Yeah. It also has, arguably, her most problematic song, which is Better Than Revenge. Which is kind of like the older still, like, woman-hating sister of You Belong With Me, now going full, like, slut-shame on, like, the new girlfriend of an ex, which is Joe Jonas. Mm -hmm. Um, And that poor girl, whatever, Camila something? Not Camila Cabello, but... Not Camila Mendez, either. Not Camila Mendez, lol. Um, Joe's, like, the girl that Joe dated right after Taylor, like, Mm -hmm. that girl got so... So much online harassment from Taylor fans. And it's like literally all she did was date Joe Jonas after Taylor. So problematic song. And I feel like because she wrote this all herself, there is a little air of immaturity to this album compared to Fearless. I think that there are still some good mature Oh yeah, well back to December. Like we were talking about. Like back to December. I think my personal favorite from um, speak now is our ours. They can't take what's ours. They can't take what's ours. The stakes are high. It is a very sweet love song that is very understated 
And uh, another amazing song that I really love is Last Kiss. But yeah, I think, I mean, Innocent is on this album. Innocent is the first of many songs that she wrote about Kanye West. Uh, there is a lot of, there's a lot of decently mature songs on here. It's just those aren't the ones that got picked as singles. Yeah. With well, the exception of Back to December and mine. And even Innocent, like, remember they orchestrated the whole moment for her at the VMAs the next year to play it and talk about, like, mm-hmm. basically this was her follow-up. And I don't know, I think everyone was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it was a year ago. Yeah. Anyone else would have just been like, I'm over it. But, but that's, that's never not been ta- Taylor's that's narrative. That's not Taylor, no. Um, but speak now, I think, like... This was the birth of her flair for weaving herself into a victim narrative that sometimes maybe she deserves and maybe sometimes is a little bit intentionally weaved. I think it's also the birth of her writing music to show the world some kind of defiant, like, actually, like this is how I feel, like, actually, like, I'm completely, like, beyond it, or I've, you know, it's, like, the, it's a song as, like, proof to shove in someone's face, Mm -hmm. rather than necessarily authentically how she feels. Not that I know her or how she feels, but I think, like, Innocent, you know, is started a long line of songs, like, I don't know, to flash all the way forward to Lover, like, I Forgot You Existed. You want us to think that that's the message. This is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have... Bad blood. Yeah. It's like, you are using the song knowing that everyone will talk about who it's about. And you're, you're doing that on purpose. This album is really seeing her fall into these patterns that, yeah. that have not left her ever yeah. since then. Like, this is the birth of, like, quote-unquote, controversial Taylor. This is the birth of the, quote, old Taylor. Well, don't you think this was the start of the death of Old Taylor? Probably. Yeah, I think, I feel like yeah. Old Taylor, quote-unquote, died at the VMAs. Died when, when Kanye, Kanye interrupted her. Which, like, I don't know. If you think about that, I'm sure it was traumatic, but in the grand scheme of your incredible success... I don't know. I mean, it's still gotta be... I mean, she was, like, 18 years old. At that point, she hadn't won a Grammy yet. True. Like, I guess I just think, and maybe I'm just too cynical, like, the whole thing was such a media circus and then became a whole meme. Like, it was such a viral moment that, to me, like, most people just thought was funny. Um, Oh, I didn't. I never thought it was funny. I thought it was fucking cringeworthy. It was cringeworthy, but that's why it was funny, I guess. Like, and yeah, like, he shouldn't have done that, of course. But also, like, it's not something... If I had... She also gone. still had to perform that night. Yeah, and that's Like, sucks. there's a lot of, like... I'm willing to give her that that was a very shitty experience. I'm willing to give that to her, too. But to put it at the forefront of her art and public persona for so long... I just... Even if I... I guess I just can't relate to it, and I'm not a songwriter, and maybe this is speaks to someone who doesn't write music for a living, but, like... If, like, I would take, even if something was, like, oh, like, that was the worst night of my life, that was, like, the most traumatic experience I've ever had, like, 
yes, maybe I would write a song, maybe I would talk about it, but, like, not for four albums. Well, yes and... It escalated. It escalated part, partially through her own doing. I'm not saying that, but, like, it's not like she's 30 years old writing songs about Kanye storming the stage at the VMAs. No, you're right. Like, it very much escalated and progressed. It escalated and progressed. I guess it's not like if I were Taylor. But that was where it started. And it's funny because everyone accuses Taylor of being so smart and so media savvy to the point of like everything's orchestrated. Like, would you say that she's extremely smart and media Mm -hmm. savvy? So you'd think that she would know. And I, I understand like this happened when she was a little bit younger, but like she would know that she was going to be the hero of that story because she, and she was the victim. I mean, she got the victim. That was the true victim moment that like, she really like, um, is inspired by musically. I'm not saying any of, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. I'm also just saying, I think that like, as much as it has turned into really like the definitive moment of her stardom, she was still an 18 year old girl. Yeah. But it was her third album, not her very... It was her second album. Oh, right, because it was Fearless. Yeah. She hadn't... It was her first really big, as we said earlier, cross-platform... Or cross-genre success album. Like, she was new. True. No, you're right. Anyway, let's I feel bad. I feel bad for it. No, no, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying, like, I think, like, to, like... I think everything since, yes. Right? Like, everything since has been such a... A lot of it is a machination. You know, everything... But everything with every singer is a machination. Taylor's just happens to involve a whole lot of other people. Yeah. True. Well... Let's get on to Red. (laughs) The best album. My favorite Taylor Swift album. Will always be my favorite Taylor Swift album. I could literally pick every single one of these songs as a deep cut. But Red was, um... I would say Red is truly the moment where we've started to see Taylor Swift the pop star and not Taylor Swift the country singer. Oh, undoubtedly. Mm -hmm. I mean, when these, the first single, We're Never Getting Back Together, when that dropped, everybody was like, wait, what? Yeah. And that, that was the moment, this is the first Taylor Swift song that I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. Like, that I listened to a lot on my own. The other songs I knew... Because they were unavoidable. Like, I, yeah, I know every word to love story because I've heard it at every school dance since I was, like, 13. But, like, we're never getting back together. I was living in Japan when that came mm-hmm. out. And I, like, downloaded it and listened to it all the time. I remember you you were obsessed with it. I was obsessed with it. with it. And then when the album came out, like, a lot of these. Yeah. It was a very eclectic album. For sure. It was. It has a lot going on. And... Because it's got those pop singles, but then underneath that, there's still a little bit of, like, fearless, speak now. Yeah, like, you have, like, All Too Well is very much a country song. Mm-hmm. You have Stay, Stay, Stay is, like, a cutesy little folk pop song. You have State of Grace, which is very much... And um, The Last Time with Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol. Like, those are very almost, like, arena rock type songs. True. Taylor's favorite band. And, yeah. There's just a lot happening on this album. It's really... If you are a fan of Taylor Swift, you've probably heard it. It's kind of, I think, in the fandom, like, everyone's favorite 
from what I've seen. I think the 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 stands the it's stands, their favorite. It's their favorite and the album. like looser fans. Nineteen eighty nine is their yeah. favorite. Yeah, but if you haven't done a listen to, I think there's a lot on this album that really can. Um, but I think my two favorites, um, all too well, as we said earlier. Will forever and always be, I think, the most mature, beautiful, heart-wrenching Taylor Swift song. And Holy Ground is my other favorite, as we also talked about earlier. We've ended up talking about a lot of these before we even got to this album, because yeah. Starlight is one of my favorites mm-hmm. about the Kennedys. It's a good example of, like, how it's kind of sweet and saccharine, but it's still, like, in a fun way. Like, mm-hmm. it's not too much. Um, stay, Stay, Stay is cute. Um, sad, Beautiful, Tragic is The only great. one I don't really like, and you love that song. Sad, Beautiful, Tragic? Yeah. yeah that's that's one of my favorites. One last thing I'll say about Red. Not a lot of, like, I mean, I guess We're Never Getting Back Together is, like, petty and sort of, like like, rude to Jake Gyllenhaal, and she literally said, like, I wanted to write a song that was the epitome of everything that my ex made fun of my music, and I wanted to write it so that I knew he would hear it on the radio and be annoyed by it. Which, like... Is a move. It's, so, when it gets to that level, like, I think that's amazing and iconic. It's, like, it's a flex. Like, it's a flex. she was, like... And, you know... You, but that's also, like, this man is toxic... Was literally making fun of me while we were in a relationship together. Yeah, like, said her music was bad. Or just, like, you know, Mm -hmm. not cool. The reason I feel like We're Never Getting Back Together works, or, like, I think the same reason I Forgot You Existed works, is it's not this sort of, like, I've risen up from my, like, you know, being pushed down. It's more just, like, it's less victimizing of herself, and it's more just, like, this is the fucking power move that I'm about to make. Yeah. Which I think just works better. It does. Or, it, to me, it's more palatable. Um, and in general, like, these songs are mostly just fun, and this is the the birth of the Swift Squad, and just, like, she's just living her life. So, Red was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys. Taylor, at the time, felt that Red was, like, the best thing since sliced bread that she had at least ever made and she was like gunning for that grammy like she wanted album of the year she Mm. wanted to win and again because she had won for fearless Mm -hmm. already by then which would have made which would have been and she did end up you know that she did end up being the person to achieve this but she would have i think at the very least been the first female artist to win Best New Album twice, if Best not... Best Album of the Year twice. Or, or, sorry, be, uh, Album of the Year twice, if not, like, the first artist to win Album of the Year twice. I think it was just female artist, but... She's she, not the first, no. But yeah, the first... She was the, the first, first solo fe- woman. Yeah, the first solo woman to win Album of the Year twice. She didn't win. And she was devastated, as I'm sure some anybody would be, who, like, produced what they felt was their greatest work. Then the reason why 1989 
was so different and cohesive, really, of an album was everybody's main critique of Red was that it was a lot going on. So she went home. Fair. She's like, I'm going to make a pop album. It is going to be called 1989. It's going to be inspired by 80s pop music. Here we go. And then we got what is probably what many people will say, the best album of Taylor Swift's career. I am torn about... I I have said that. I think I would still say that. I think 1989 is, is my favorite, and I think it's the best. Only because there has never been a Taylor Swift album, including Lover, um, which I do think is good and, and the most similar mm-hmm. to 1989 of any other album. There's been no album that I've listened to so much for so long. I mean, 1989 I kept going back to for months. And I typically keep on a song for, like, a couple weeks and move on. So, um... Except for Drop That Kitty. Except for Drop That Well, you know, many. But, like, yeah. for a whole album to kind of, like, stay in my rotation. Yeah. Like, that... There are very few albums by any artist that have done that. Um, and she did that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's hard to pick a deep cut off of 1989 because... I think we both feel like literally every song was popular, even if it wasn't a single. Right. Well, to me, like, and there were literally, what, seven singles? There was Shake It Off, Blank Space. Let's just go from the top. Style. Blank Space, Style. Out of the Woods was a promo. No, Out of the Woods became a single. It has that. Remember the music video? She lost him. But, but she, she found, found herself, herself, and somehow that was everything. everything. How could I forget? <laughs> um, Clearly I didn't. Bad Blood, Wildest Dreams, and um, New Romantics. There were seven, seven singles. singles. That's half the album, almost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard. I would have picked Wildest Dreams, but then it like was a last-minute single. That was my favorite from the beginning, though. Um, one of mine, too. The one that sounds like Lana. True. And my favorite from Lover is the one that sounds like Lana. I mean, I think Out of the Woods is still my favorite, which is a very unpopular opinion. I was gonna say, that's so, like, that's one that I always skip. Um, I really like, I mean, these are all singles. Of the non-singles, I'd say either All You Had to Do Was Stay or How You Get the Girl or Clean. But also, I mean, really the whole, it's such a cohesive album, so Mission Accomplished, but, like, it really is hard to choose. But chances are you know this album. Yeah, I think the only one that I really, like, actively will skip is Bad Blood. I don't really like Bad Blood. I never really liked Bad Blood. I liked it. I mean, I kind of eye-rolled at it, but I liked the idea of it. And, of course, the video was... Great. Great. Even though, you know... She really started that whole, like, I'm gonna throw in 400 celebrities in a music video. That we've seen a lot of people do since, including her multiple times. Yeah. Well, in 1989, I guess, like, to speak to, like, the cultural part of this Taylor era, like, this was, this was the, the, the peak. I would say this is Taylor's peak of cultural dominance. Yes. Of extremely high public opinion. Nobody, like, you know, people were making fun of Taylor for having all these boyfriends and writing songs about them. That, like, died during 1989, and no one said a bad thing about her. At all. Everybody loved Taylor. Until. She, like, spoke up about feminist issues. She had this girl squad. She wasn't dating anyone for a bit. Um, But then she was dating somebody for quite a bit. 
1989, the post-album release cycle, she was with Calvin Harris for, like, over a year. But everybody liked that. Everyone was like, ooh, so fun and flirty. Like, look, they're on a boat. Like, Calvin has a six-pack. Fuck yes, Taylor. I mean, I was like, fuck yes, Taylor. Like, that I was... Fuck <laughs> Calvin Harris. That was the press about that relationship. You and just who... about her in general. It was like, Taylor's doing this, Taylor's doing that. Like, we stand. She moved to New York. Like, that was peak. Like, everybody loves Taylor. She can do no wrong. She can say no wrong. Um, but you know... Was this when she did the um, sexual assault case? No. That was... That, that was, was Reputation. So it happened during Red. Like, the incident happened during right. the Red tour. And then the, the trial was during Reputation. Okay, you're right. But yeah, this was truly like peak Taylor Swift, and then it the, the, all... The opposite of peak Taylor Swift happened. I will say this for Taylor Swift. There's no other celebrity, no other pop singer, or singer at all, for whom people know so intimately what the music refers to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, she writes these personal songs that are directed at certain exes, or whatever, and that's like the stereotype, but like... You know, every time other singers come out with songs, people aren't, like, digging through and finding these Easter eggs. Like, Taylor Swift has a... It's very intentional. It's intentional, and she has a mythology, mm-hmm. almost. And it's, I mean, it's fascinating. Like, there has not been another another figure like her in this way. But what I was going to say was, the diff, like, the different eras of Taylor, like, they're often marked by these specific incidents that kind of, like, sway things one way or the other. And I would say... The transition from 1989 and from her being the queen of the world was the Kim Kardashian Snapchats, Mm -hmm. the recorded phone call of of Taylor and Kanye, which, you know, after the whole snake emoji of it all, let's just say, Mm -hmm. and then suddenly everybody was like, we love Taylor. Granted, I think part of this is Kim and part of this is just oversaturation and people were tired of hearing about Taylor. Went from queen of the world to, like, everyone hates her, shut up, like, hide. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what she did for... A couple, for a, a year, a At least a year. Yeah, and I think, like... I don't think that reputation... It's weird to say stood the test of time because it literally just came out, like, two years ago. But, like... I have, I don't frequently go back and listen to songs off of Reputation. I think it just didn't quite live up to the monumental and admittedly very challenging task that it had, which was both putting her back on top, but also meaningfully addressing all the, all the things that had gone wrong. And I don't think it meaningfully addressed. And I, I think, think that's she... the issue. I think people, like, I think Taylor Stans really tried to be like, she's back, like, it's such a comeback album. Like, like any Stans do for any album, mm-hmm. whether it's good or bad. And it's not that it's bad. It's not a bad album. There are a lot of, now that I'm looking at the track list again, there are actually quite a few songs on Reputation that I like. We, Get, I, mean, I love Getaway Car. I think Getaway Car is the perfect example of, like, Taylor Swift writing a narrative and, like, it being a really compelling story that she has written on a piece of paper slash sung into a report into a microphone. Yeah. And I think that's always been Taylor Swift at her best. Think about the place where you first met me riding in a getaway car. There were sirens in the beat of your heart. Shouldn't I be the first to leave? Think about the place. I just really like, I guess, 
What I liked about Look What You Made Me Do, which is, you know, an absurd statement of a song. Um, I mean, I think the video is... Like, when that single and video came out, I was like, holy shit. Like, she did what she needed to do with this album. But then when the full album came out, it kind of, like... It wasn't really clear what statement she was trying to make. It's like she was talking about all the controversies of her past. She was talking about how she feels like everybody hates her. But she... what Like, what was she saying about it? I think that was really the issue with reputation. Mm -hmm. I still like Look What You Made Me Do. I even like Endgame. And then I like some of the softer ones, too. I, I like New Year's Day. I love New Year's Day. I love Gorgeous. I Hashtag like Call It What You Want. Annoying. I like the softer ones, like Gorgeous. Well, I just... I, I was going to say... <laughs> I like Gorgeous, which is, you know, hashtag Annoying Taylor. My fave. My queen. Mm-hmm. You're so gorgeous. I can't say anything to your face. Because look at your face. But, yeah... Then we get to Lover. And Lover has really been... I think so... What people said... What the stands said about Reputation, like, Taylor Swift did what she had to do to, like, prove... I think she did it with Lover. But the road getting to Lover... Yeah, I mean... Was a rough road. The singles. The single. I mean, not even... Let's just talk about me. Fucking me... Next. Let's it talk is, about a different song. <laughs> I mean, really, though, like, her worst single of her career, like, I would say so. One of her worst songs, if not her worst song of her career. And it's sad because, like, I like Panic at the Disco. Um, and I liked... The, uh, I don't know what else to say. The video was, like, dumb. It sounded like... Even Radio Disney would say that it was too young for them. Like, I don't, yeah, like, honestly, like, Peppa Pig's album slaps harder. (laughs) (laughs) Peppa Pig's album slaps harder. Where's the lie? Oh, wow. Um... And on that note, thank you so much for listening to Bob Warren. Um, no, but like, I'll, I'll talk about my road to lover. Me, hated it. Need to calm down, still hate it. The that Archer, was... don't like it. Lover, the song, I was like, wait, maybe there's hope. And then honestly, there fucking was hope. Because literally every other song is good. Pretty much. Like, I... Except for a fucking... It's well, nice to have a, a friend. There's because... a few. <laughs> Every other song is good. Well, uh. <laughs> um, No. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think I had a similar journey. Hated me. You need to calm down. Like, I was like... If I was, like, drunk and it came on at the bar, like, when the single first came out, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's 7 a.m. But, um... I don't know. I will say now You Need to Calm Down has grown on me more. But then Archer, I think, is fine. I go up... I kind of like Archer. Lover is annoying to me. Still. Um, but then the album comes out, and it's like, holy shit. Like, here's my hot take. 
If she had, like, trimmed... Because this is her longest album. It's 18 songs. Not even deluxe version. If she had, like, trimmed the fat off this album and gotten it to, like, a tight 12, like, 1989. I guess that was 13, but tight 12 or 13. It People w- might have thought that it was just as good as 1989. Because I don't know. I think, like, 1980, 1989 was meteoric, like, in its success. Like, it was just, like... Yeah, and, like, you can't replace a moment in time. Yeah, you can't recapture lightning in a bottle. But I just think, like, in terms of, like, you know, if if music critics were really looking at a stripped-down lover versus 1989, they'd be like, you know, these are comparable. They're both excellent. You know how Muna's album builds? Like, Lover starts so strong, I would say the first seven songs are really good. And then the last half, you're kind of like... I don't know. I like some of the songs towards the end of the album. Here's what I'll say. I listen consistently to three songs off of this album. I listen to the fuck out of Cruel Summer. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite song. Those are my three. Those are the three that bring back 1989 the most for me. Definitely. That I'm like, I love this. Why did this ever leave? Please. I would never walk Cornelia Street again. (laughs) (laughs) So Cornelia Street, like, I think that is such a good, like, that is the good version. Like, you don't need False God. You don't need Death by a Thousand Cuts. That's a boring one. You don't really need Afterglow. I like how that one's okay, but you don't need it. You don't need it's nice to have. A you friend. don't need it's nice to have a friend. I like that one, but you don't need you it. You don't need me. You, you don't, don't need daylight. Like most of these down. ones at the end, like you really don't need. My favorites. My number one because it reminds me of wildest dreams, aka it reminds me of the best Lana songs. Mm-hmm. Is Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, which I'm sure will be a single because it's so many people's fave. I hope we get Cruel Summer. I hope we get Miss Americana. I think we'll definitely get Miss Americana. I'm hoping for the man. I also really like the man. I I am like, I would be shocked if the man is not a single. I think, yeah. Um, Paper Rings, people either, what I've seen is people either, it's like one of their favorites or they hate it. So I think we're kind of split on that camp. But I've seen a lot of people who really love it. I just think it's like, it reminds me of me, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's just like kind of corny. Yeah, but it's like kind of cute corny. It's cute. It's better. It's cuter. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, like, Lover really did that. And I think, you know, her whole um, kind of, you know, to bring it back to really present day, like, she was just on the VMAs, as we discussed last week. And kind of her new, I think, move in terms of, like, what her 
public persona and like cultural impact is is getting involved in LGBTQ activism with the You Need to Calm Down video. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that, I think, had so many mixed opinions in terms of like... How she went about doing it. How she went about doing it, how authentic it really was. Um, I'm of the... I, I really am of two minds about that. Like, because I, I remember when the video came out and Twitter, the gay Twitter was either like, we stand, this is incredible, like, why are people complaining? Or like, this is bullshit, you are using us, stop. And I feel like there is room for, like, a nuanced middle of, like, ultimately, I think it's good that she did it. I think it's cool. I think the video is a force for good. I think a lot of people watched it who are not exposed to a lot of queer... Just because of her reach. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of people watched it, and and I think, like, you know, the the coastal gays who are, like, work in media and tweet about what they think about Taylor Swift, like, maybe don't think about this so much in my opinion but like there are so many people that the video will reach who there's no nuanced conversations to be had with them like they are truly you know their eyes are maybe not their minds are being changed but if they're young like they are being introduced in a very like safe and positive way to queerness Mm um so i think that's great um are there things about it that could have been a little bit more thought through? Should she have written a song that was actually just about herself and then kind of, like, tried to tie a rainbow ribbon around it? Maybe not. But on, at the end of the day, like, it was a good move. I think, And I yeah. think it was a smart move. What I'll say is, like, I was having a conversation with my mom about this, actually. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Adrian. So my mom calls me and is like, so what do you think of Taylor Swift? This is, I think, after the VMAs. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she was like, well, what do you think of Taylor Swift? Like, being, like, like they just had a whole, my mom loves her some Good Morning America. So oh, she's God. like, Robin Roberts did this whole thing on how she's, like, speaking out about gay rights and all of that. And I was like, well, like, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and then I kind of walked my mom and I was like, well, like, a lot of people have, like, X, Y, and Z feelings, and I explained them to her, and she's like, that's all really valid. Like, I absolutely agree with, like, day late, dollar short kind of mentality of, like, it took you this long, why are you now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I also think that we, like, we shouldn't be, like, just dismissing this by saying she should have done it earlier. Yeah. Right, like, any amount of help in this day and age mm-hmm. is still good help. Yeah, I And agree. I was like, you know what, you're right. Well, it, it... Does it mean that I like the song? No. Do I think that the song is, like, a paragon of gay rights activism? Absolutely not. Like, if you want a song that does that, listen to I Know a Place by Muna. Right, like, that is very much through and through a gay rights anthem. Right, listen to fucking, like, Shay Diamond. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that amazing trans woman of color. Listen to, like... Well, obviously queer artists. Right, but, like, that... like, And that's not to say that, like, allies can't write songs, but, like, You Need to Calm Down is still a song about Taylor Swift. Yeah, I think that's the what, er- what got me the most, is that, like, the entire first verse and chorus is about, like, people who tweet mean things at her... And then she kind of threw in, like, oh, also people are homophobic online. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And while I'm extremely appreciative that somebody whose platform is as large as Taylor Swift's is, is coming out and being very vocal, yeah. I also would like for there to be, like, you know, like... We think about the people that are coaching her on queerness. It's like Todrick Hall, who is the most, let's make everything about me. Well, yeah. Oh, for sure. And but on the Cara other hand, think of, think of how much work he's probably done behind the scenes that yeah. we haven't even seen. No, and he said that. There was an interview that he did where it was like, I asked Taylor Swift what she would do if her children, if one of her kids en- ended up being gay. And she looked at me and was very offended that I felt the need to ask that question, but then I explained that I felt the need to ask that question, and then she re- that like helped her realize mm-hmm. that she needs to like say and do something. Snaps for Todrick. Which, Can't believe like, those words are coming out of my mouth. Right, and like part of me is also like, let us also acknowledge the fact that Taylor Swift has finally come out and said, "Of course, no, I didn't fucking vote for Donald Trump, you idiots." Yes, but like she could have said that in twenty sixteen. Hmm. It's something that I think other celebrities realized so much faster, which is so, which is like why it's so odd that it took her so long. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of different narratives from her about it because people have been asking her, why did it take you so long? Mm -hmm. And it's ranged from, I was undereducated and didn't want to speak on things I didn't know about to when you're a young girl starting out in country music, they tell you don't be like the Dixie Chicks to like, I've heard like so many different stories and that's part of why I'm also like. What are you talking about? Well, really? it's probably is like a little bit of a combination of right, those but things. also like just like stick with the story, yeah, and own it as well. Like say like I recognize I probably should have come out earlier and said this. I didn't, but I should have. Yeah, it's a very different approach to. Well, let me explain why I didn't do it. She is not good at that. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've this is what we've kind of hit on with her is she can kind of admit fault, but she'd much rather be like, well, these are the systems in place that have made my life so hard. But have also made me wildly rich and famous. Yeah. I think she just, like, I don't know. She There's a way for her to speak on issues, but also own her own power and not reduce herself to being, like, for it to be about her, reflect on her, or, like, that she's a victim of something. Like, she can... You know what I mean? I yeah. think that's I think that's why... The man works. Because part of the song is like, I'm fucking killing it, but imagine if I were a man. Like, imagine, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's, I love the dig at Leo. <laughs> the truth. Because, like, people don't talk about Leo in that way. No. And people, and that's the thing, is that, like, misogyny is still a system of power that exists in this world. Even right? for Taylor Swift. Even, and especially for Taylor Swift. There are also levels of nuance about power, domination, and oppression that she will never experience, nor really even consider, by virtue of being a cisgender, heterosexual white woman. Right? Mm-hmm. Like Who's rich and famous. Who is rich and famous. Like, all of her work has always and will always reek of white feminism. Which is hard for me to stomach. And is honestly why I don't, like, I love the message of the man. I just purely don't love the man on like I think the production could just be a lot better on the man but like <laughs> like let's be real like everyone's freaking out about the man and I'm like okay Taylor Swift said something about a bitch on a song I don't know and it still just is like my life is so hard 
which yes, women's lives are inherently harder, but you want to know whose lives are inherently the hardest trans women of color. And no amount of Taylor Swift casting Laverne Cox in a music video is going to convince me that she fully recognizes and acknowledges that. Do you think that versus another, like, white pop star? Like, name an example. I just mean, like, do you think that just on principle, or do you think Taylor specifically? I think Taylor specifically. I partially I think, so think on principle. Well, I think on principle like, that no white person is able to understand, yes, yes. like, systemic I, racism. I think no cis person is able to understand transphobia or have lived a similar experience. I just weren't, wasn't sure what you were going with. I was in that moment going for Taylor in particular, but also largely. I think that there are more productive ways to, to do some of the things that she now... 10 years into her career has decided that she wants to do. Well, and there, there is a thing that I think rep, that also like left a bad taste in people's mouths about you need to calm down is that it feels like such a display, like everything she does. Mm-hmm. It feels like a display. And like I said before, you know, ever since speak now, like she has been writing music for the sake of us, the, the people of the United States thinking a certain thing about her mm-hmm. and it always comes across like that is why she's doing it yeah so when she writes a song and like puts all these queer people in the music video it feels like okay taylor we fucking get it whereas for like to use another artist as, as an example charlie xcx like i think works in a in a very authentic way mm-hmm. with yes. queer artists and celebrates them and pushes them up to the forefront. I mean, Charlie is also queer and a woman of color. True, but I think she is. I think she has a lot of the same privileges as Taylor. She does. She's very white passing. And I think she's not siphoned into being a queer artist. Yeah. Because of. Is she bisexual? Yeah. Um, maybe she hasn't done a big music video where she's like, donate, like, equal rights, but right. she's done some, she's worked she's with uplifted. so many queer yeah. artists mm-hmm. in ways that are very authentic to them and their music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like much more of a collaboration. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, I mean, I stand Charlie. And um, honestly, I'm going to completely forget about Lover when Charlie comes out in two days. Yep. So yeah. thank you for listening to... <laughs> <laughs> but actually, though, we're running late to this concert, so um, if you take anything away from this, it's stream Cruel Summer on iTunes slash Spotify. Yeah. I mean, I think Taylor, like, there's no one like her. There really is Love no her, one like Taylor. Love her, hate her, like, she is such... She has changed the music industry. She's so unique in the industry, and, like, you know... For all her faults that she slowly is working through, like, I ultimately would call myself a fan. Yeah, I probably would too. Um, If you want to hear our um, favorite tracks, again, Mm -hmm. go to the Bopcorn profile on Spotify and you can look for E4 Deep Cuts Taylor Swift. And E4 Fresh Kernels for our newer favorites. Um, next week, we haven't decided. We haven't decided, but stay tuned. It'll be fun. As always, my name is Justin. I'm Will. And this has been Bobcorn, episode four.
Toodles. And I'll write your name.